it doesn't really matter. I've, I've always said it and I'll keep saying it. It doesn't matter where the tournament's at. I'm not scared to go anywhere in the world. Um, I just want to play golf and I want to play in golf tournaments that matter and golf tournaments that have world ranking points and golf tournaments that can get me to be one of the best players in the world. So um, that's been my goal since I was four or five years old and that'll continue to be my goal until I get there. So. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck, back for another Fire Drill podcast. We are delighted to be joined, uh, Michael Bamberg and I, that is, uh, joined by Andy Ogletree, who's just coming off a career-changing victory uh, on the Asian tour in Egypt, of all places. I mean, it's cool to win a tournament anywhere, but it's like extra cool to win one in Egypt, right? Like, um, that, that's got to be kind of fun. So uh, tell us, if uh, you're probably still on cloud nine, but how does it feel to have broken through, Andy, and, and most... And the biggest question of all is, is how is this going to change your career? Yeah, I mean, it just feels like a huge weight off my shoulders, honestly, because the last year and a half has kind of just been a spiral of trying to find places to play and trying to find exemptions. And um, it just feels like I finally have relief because I have somewhere guaranteed to play for the next two and a half years. Um, this win gives me a, a full Asian Tour card for the rest of this year all of next year and for 2024. So I can pick and choose what tournaments I play. Um, I can play regular Asian tour events. I can play international series. Um, and and that's just all I can wish for right now is to have somewhere guaranteed to play for the you know, two and a half years. That's great. Andy, what was, it's Michael Bamberger in Philadelphia. What was it like to play in Egypt? I imagine you had never probably been there before. Yeah. First time to Egypt. Um, I don't think, I don't think many people go unless you're going to see the pyramids. So I actually did, pyramids on wednesday morning they uh asian tour chartered two uh buses and the whole tournament went so it was super cool we had tour guides telling us everything and all the fun facts and uh no it was super cool and we stayed at a great hotel there um it's interesting in egypt so they build out these whole cities before they let anyone move there so uh we stayed in a city with no people it was it was really interesting but I guess they're bringing people in like 20% of the time. They said they're at 20% capacity right now. It's going to be their new capital. Um, they're at 20% right now, and they're going to hopefully be at 85% in a couple of years, they said. So it was it was really weird. It was like a ghost town. It was this brand new city, super nice and modern with no people. Does it feel like Phoenix? What, what, is it, what does it feel like there? You kind of feel like you're in, in Phoenix, Scottsdale. Um, the golf course was very artificial. All the lakes were bright blue looked like this cool <laughs> it, was, uh, it was cool to see but i mean the course was perfectly made the fairways were probably the nicest fairways i've ever played in my life not even not even exaggerating that so um super cool i mean awesome tournament i mean that's one of the things that's interesting is young players when they hear about going over to europe or to, or to asia or to any of these faraway tours yeah i know there's some apprehension like how, how am I going to sur- survive this exotic landscape? But how do you translate the challenges of maybe um, obviously jet lag and maintaining a diet and a workout schedule that works for you and then, yeah. and then take that onto the golf course? And I mean, are you able to, to kind of calibrate or do you just have to say, hey, man, this is all going to be different and just go with it? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a really good planner. So the first couple of trips, I took a lot of notes and, okay, this is how early I need to be there. And this is how many days I need to have to adjust to the time change and this is how i'm going to try so I, in america i usually use the gyms here over there you don't really know what you're going to get so i pretty much travel with my gym <laughs> i travel with foam rollers bands 
all the stuff that I use in my warm up um, to kind of make sure I have everything that I need. And then um, they have physios on site, so I'm able to work with them. And over the five tournaments working with those people, they've learned my body pretty well. So um, there's really not many challenges other than food and the language barrier. And you basically never leave the hotels because there's always a couple of restaurants there that you can find something. I mean, I eat a lot of Italian because Italian food's pretty universal. So uh, <laughs> go get some pasta and call it a night. Andy, what did you do for a caddy over there? I've been taking locals, but I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get somebody traveling with me full time now. That well, that membership has its privileges, right? I mean, yeah, it's gonna be great just to have somebody every week and be able to actually do it. I mean, I, I've been I've been taking locals and they don't really speak any English, so I've just had someone carry in the bag for the f- first five, basically. Yeah. So let's drill down a little bit more on on the career advancement here. So. Play, the Asian tours, we know that it's getting a big influx, already has, and it's going to continue to get a big influx of, of money from Live Golf. Yeah. And the purses are going up. The fields are getting deeper. There's going to be more world ranking points than probably ever in the history of that tour. I mean, are, are you satisfied to make to make Asia your home tour for two and a half years, or do you still have designs on either Live Golf or even the PGA Tour? Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously want to play either live or the PGA tour, but, uh, the Asian tour is a a great place to start for me because it just gives me that guaranteed place to play. I mean, I'll still probably try to do some Mondays, um, for PGA tour events this coming year when they work in my schedule and stuff like that. So, um, I'm going to try to go at it both ways, go at it from the PGA tour side and go at it from the live side. Um, I'm getting ready to go to Indonesia in a week and a half. So, um, it'll be the last Asian Tour International Series event of the year. And I think if I win, I have a chance to win the Order of Merit on the International Series is what we've kind of figured out. So um, that's the goal. And if I win the Order of Merit on the International Series, that gets you a live card for next year. So that would be uh, the route back. I mean, that's a key point because we, we've talked we've talked about this in the first time you're on this podcast and we, we've gone over it. But not every golf fan realizes that Live is not a closed shop. It's not invitation only. There are avenues to play your way. There's been guys do it all year. So um, this year it was top three players on the current order of merit of international series played all the events. So like the guys like Scott Vincent and Chiwan Kim and um, Saddam, I don't know Saddam's last name, but uh, there's been a lot of guys play a lot of live events through the Asian Tour International Series order of merit. And you, you, you grew up in, in Mississippi, you live in Atlanta, uh, you've been in the United States most of your life. What does, in your travels, what does the American golf fan not understand about what this Live Series is all about? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a loaded question. I think there's a lot of stuff that people don't really understand and gather. But um, the biggest thing I've found is they just don't really understand how great these events are and how p- excited people are to be there. Um I think people thought that they wouldn't get a lot of crowds and early on they weren't selling a lot of tickets. And that was all the things you were hearing in America. But when you get to the tournaments, I mean, there's tons of people there. People are really excited to see it. Um, they really is like a new, a new version of golf. It's very different than the the standard um, be quiet and quiet with the claps and no one talking. And I mean, there's a concert as, as soon as the last putt goes in on 18, everyone goes to the fan village and there's a concert by a famous performer every night. So uh, it's kind of like a, a circus traveling circus to play the live tour. It's uh, 
it's a lot different than PJ Tour events also because everyone stays at the same hotel and everything's paid for by the tour. So they're paying for all your travel. They're paying for all the hotels, personal drivers for the week, chefs at the hotel. I mean, everyone's kind of all inclusive. Everyone stays at the same place and hangs out. There's live, you know, rooms for families and kid rooms at the hotel. And I don't know, it's just a lot, it's a lot different vibe than I think people realize. And you, you just won a 72 hole event. You played with Tiger Woods for two rounds and made a cut in a, uh, in a masters as an amateur. I watched 36 year holes. It was astounding as of course, you know, and, and our listeners would know the live for now it's a 54 hole events. There's a lot of discussion as to whether they've got ranking points. Um, could you imagine a scenario where Lib expands from 54 to 72? Are you talking about holes played or players or? Could these live events that are now 54 hole events, could you, if that was the stumbling block to them get to live series, getting world ranking points, could you imagine expanding to 72? I think they'll do whatever they, whatever they have to do at the end of the day to get world ranking points. Um, that's the literal only thing holding them back right now. So I think whatever they have to do to, to get those world ranking points is what they'll have to do. Yeah, I agree with that. You said earlier that you're thinking about doing some some Mondays on the PGA Tour. And, you know, some of the listeners probably remember that when you played the London event, you were suspended by the tour. But unlike uh, some of these other guys who were actual members of the tour, you did not have a card. And therefore, the suspension really is only going to go to the end of this year, correct? And then is, is your understanding that you have you have total access to sponsors exemptions Mondays and any other way you can play your way onto the PGA Tour? My understanding is my my ban is completely completely over starting January first of next year. So um, I'm under the understanding that I can go to Monday. I can receive a sponsor invite. I can do do whatever um, unless something changes between now and then. I mean that sets up some obviously very interesting hypotheticals, right? <laughs> like if I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if you're an Asian tour member, I need to check on this, but if you're an Asian tour member, I don't know if you have to do pre or the pre cues for the Mondays. So that's another interesting thing that might have come from uh, getting status on the Asian tour. I don't know if that gives you anything or any ability to not have to do the pre cues, but that's the only thing that is awful for the Monday qualifiers next year is I'll have to go on Wednesday, play a practice round for the pre-qualifier and then play the Monday. So it's going to be a week long process to play a Monday. Yeah, no, getting, that would be huge if you could, if you could skip the pre-cues. Um, if you play another live event going forward, then are, are you back and in, in, are you out again? Like, how is that going to work? I have no idea. Uh, I'd be curious, <laughs> I, I'm not a, the reason that I was suspended last time is because I, I was a member of the Corn Ferry Tour, but I'm not a member anymore because I didn't get to go to Q school this year. So I don't know how I could be suspended further, but we'll see. Like an animal house, double secret probation. <laughs> that's that's what I'm I'm curious about the guys like uh, the James Pyatt's and the David Pooge and uh, those guys that never had status on any tour. Um, I'm curious what they could do. I don't know. Andy, how has golf changed for you not playing in glasses anymore? Yeah, it's a little different. I play in sunglasses now. I had LASIK. Um, Dr. Wooden up in Washington, D.C. I flew up and had had LASIK with him. It was great. Everything went well. But I have kind of dry eyes anyway, so sunglasses help me, and I'm able to see the ball a little bit better. So uh, I've never been able to wear sunglasses, so I'm taking full advantage of that now. <laughs> did, did you compare notes with Tiger at all about, uh, about playing uh, with glasses and without – no, but he, it's the same doctor that he used. So yeah. 
very very renowned is there is there like a 10 percent off discount if you're a professional golfer like is that, <laughs> this is between michael and i he wants to hear about you know your glasses and the, and the food in, in Egypt. And I'm really super hyper-focused on what this all means in the larger scheme of professional golf, because you are, you are in, the, in this really unique position and you are, you're kind of, you're, you're like the canary in the coal mine, like how, how the yeah. tour deals with you and it, it could have ramifications for a lot of other players. So I'm amazed you haven't had much contact with the tour. Um, you know, I would think that, that, you know, it sounds like you're still learning as you go, like what this means. Yeah, we're all, we're all learning every day. You know what? I mean, it's obviously new territory and no one really knows what's going to happen. So um, it hasn't, hasn't been done before. So we'll just keep playing it by ear and taking it as it comes. All right. Well, let's put you on the hot seat here. So you, um, you, you Monday qualify on a wet, at a, you know, early in the season, you play well, you get, you finish tie for ninth. Now you, you can play the next tour event. Uh, but there's a there's a live event where you you've gotten yourself into, and the powers that be make it clear you know that this is the fork in the road. It, you got you're you're either fish or fowl. You gotta you gotta pick your metaphor. You gotta make a choice here. Like, what do you do? I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm probably call Mac Barnhart and say. What <laughs> <are> I, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. That'd be tough, but it'd be it'd be a good problem to have. It would. It would. What What did you find in your game that 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 helped you, um, you, you know, go this next level in, in Egypt? You know, we talked in your previous pod about some injuries and some swing changes, and you'd had a a run of bad luck. But what what got you across the line? Oh, Alan, yeah. is the floor now open to golf questions? Yeah. Okay. Now. Okay. Yeah, oh, well, okay. Whatever you want, Michael. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, my body's come a long way. Um, so when I played the event, that first Asian Tour event I played was at Slaley Hall. It was the International Series the week before Live, and my body was awful. My back was hurting. wasn't really happy to be at the golf course because I wasn't able to swing like I wanted to. And I had a chance to win in Korea. So getting back into contention again, feeling those juices, I learned a lot from that experience. I kind of blew a lead on the back nine there, um, had a chance to win, and then messed it up. And so I learned a lot from that, and I you know, that, that helped me coming down the stretch. That's cool. How did you celebrate on after the win? I took all the boys to dinner. So all the Americans that were with us, we all went to dinner. And uh, I guess that's our thing. Whoever wins that wins an event takes everybody out to dinner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That'll be our, our tradition over there. Andy, you had to, you've dug deep in your young life. You, you want, you want to hear a shocker, Alan, this young man is 24 years old. It feels like we've known him forever, but yeah. you know, time slow during the pandemic and you had to wait a long time to play in that masters and, and all sorts of other things. Where did you, a lot of people might've just hung it up uh, and done something else. Uh, where did you find the strength to, uh, to, to really stay at it and, and, and rise to the level where you are right now? I love playing golf. I love competing. I love everything about golf. And it doesn't really matter. I've, I've always said it and I'll keep saying it. It doesn't matter where the tournament's at. I'm not scared to go anywhere in the world. Um, I just want to play golf and I want to play in golf tournaments that matter and golf tournaments that have world ranking points and golf tournaments that can get me to be one of the best players in the world. So um, that's been my goal since I was four or five years old and that'll continue to be my goal until I get there. So um, that's, that's my only focus. And, um, I never lost confidence. I, I knew my good golf was still really good. I just was not able to play golf like I wanted to because my body was not in a good place. So 
now that my body is, now I get to really see uh, see where my game's at. And, and uh, what do you take from that that thirty six hole experience at Augusta with Tiger Woods? For those who don't know, Andy played two rounds with Tiger. He made the cut. What, uh, you know, now a couple of years later, what do you take from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I remember just the nerves that I had before I teed that up, and um, they were actually a lot less than I expected. I kind of I made it such a big deal in my head, and um, kind of amped up so much that I felt like when I got to the first tee, I was kind of calm. And once I hit the tee shot, even though I didn't get off to a great start, my mind was not just like into the shots, but um, I felt like my body reacted better than I thought it would. And I just, I've kind of taken that further in my career that coming down the back nine of the Asian tour international series event that I just won. I mean, I had a, I had a friend tell me once, that no matter how nervous you are, you're still going to make contact with the ball. <laughs> Go hit it and find it. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of the mindset I play with is like, yeah, I mean, my, my hands may be shaking. I might be nervous. I might be thinking bad thoughts or whatever people think are bad thoughts. But um, I've done a lot of work with sports psychologists throughout the years, and I've learned a lot from from a lot of different people. And I just take tidbits from from everyone and, and try to piece together what works for me and um, I'll keep trying to do that for, for the rest of my career and just trying to get a little better every day in every tournament and just keep building into, into hopefully what's to come. Uh, I love that. Padraig Harrington told me one time, he said, you know, what I learned is there's not an infinite nervousness. Like there's only, yeah. you can only get maximum nerves. And, and then you realize it's not that much different on the back nine when you're trying to win an open championship as it was on Thursday when you're trying to make the cut or Friday or whatever it is. And he said, it's just, um, that was a, a huge relief to him when he realized he, he, he knew what it felt like. Standing that like everyone else is feeling the same thing. It's not like you're bad or weak because you feel nervous. Like everyone feels the same thing. Some people are just a lot better at handling it and than others. And uh, that's what, I mean, Tiger said a lot about that. Tiger said he'll never, he'll never play a tournament unless he has butterflies when he tees it up on Thursday. Right. So, I mean, there has been some events this past year that I had had no butterflies on Thursday because I was playing so bad. It I was not going to win the golf tournament. So it's great to be back in a place where I am feeling nervous. I'm so thankful to to feel nerves. And uh, my my coach in college always said, you know, if you're if you're feeling nervous, if you're anxious, something good's happening. So embrace that and run towards it versus you know, being afraid of that. So I've never, never been afraid of, of nerves and pressure. And I've always actually played better when it's, when I'm under the gun. That's really neat. Um, speaking of sports psychologists, I think you talk to one on an almost daily basis, even though he doesn't have the degree, a friend of Alan's and mine, uh, Mac Barnhart. Uh, what, what, what kind of role does Mac play in your life? And, and tell our audience, please, if you would, a little bit about Mac for those who wouldn't know him. Mac is listed as my agent, but I think he's more of a, a life coach. He's he's seen this for so long, and I mean, he's been around the game for 30-plus years. So um, I think all the advice I can get from him, and I pick his brain a lot and call him and ask him his opinion because I really trust um, all that he's seen. And, and he just has a really good perception of how life works. And uh, I think I wouldn't have made it through this downward fall that I've had without Mac telling me that telling me I'm still great at golf and telling me that I'm going to get there. And, you know, he's always been that positive reassurance for me. And, um, I definitely owe him a lot for, for 
getting back to a place where I'm playing good golf again. And, you know, Max been on some of our fire drill podcasts and I invited him to be on this one. And he said, nah, I just kind of want Andy to have the spotlight, which I thought was cute because some of the agents, you know, they want to, they want to be give out the first hug on, on the green and they, they want to be in the background of every interview. So I would be remiss our, our colleague, Ryan French, Monday Q info. He wanted to be part of this podcast. So he couldn't make it for um, scheduling reasons, but he, he texted me and said, ask, um, ask Andy what he's heard about monday qualifiers on live next year you know this has been there's been a lot of talk about this do you have any any usable intel as they say that would be great for him he would love that wouldn't he? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> have you heard any buzz about that andy he wouldn't be able to handle it because <laughs> if you qualify you're guaranteed to get 120k i mean it becomes the most lucrative monday qualifying yeah. ever right i don't know if people are going to fly to australia to play a monday qualifier they might they might but are, are you hearing that that's going to happen? I haven't heard that, no. Yeah, okay. Well, sorry, Ryan. We tried. Uh, <laughs> That'd be cool, though. It'd be, It'd be really be cool. No, I've been, I've, been hearing, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about that because, again, in, in the ongoing attempts to, to get world ranking points. Last year, they let the, uh, the current order of merit on the Asian Tour into the events. So if you were fourth on the list going into one of the events, then you didn't get in. But if you, you know finished second the next Asian Tour International Series and moved up to third on the order of merit, then you got in the next live event. So it kind of was a Monday qualifier in a way because the current order of merit was getting into the, all the events. So I don't know if they'll keep that going next year, but I think it was really cool how they did that this year. Yeah. For the listeners who may not not understand, how, how would you define the, the relationship between the International Series and the Asian Tour? Yeah, so the international series is like the elevated purses and uh, a little bit smaller. I think some of them are smaller fields than Asian Tour events. I could be wrong there, but usually 120 people. And uh, they're backed by um, Live Golf. So the purses this year are between one and a half and two million. There was seven events out of the, I don't know how many events the Asian Tour has, probably 25. So they're just these elevated events, kind of like the WGCs or the Invitationals or the PGA Tour, um, how they, they are affiliated with the tour, but um, it's a different category of exemptions to get in. Yeah, and, and next year, I think the, the International Series purses are going to go to $3 million, right? Or even three five. So be some that are three. I think most are going to be two to three. So as you as you've had this sort of unlikely role as this 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 pioneer across the the vast landscape of professional golf, are you getting more questions now from from young Americans about how all this works? Everyone always asks me like, what's going on with Live and what's going on with the Asian Tour, and I just think it's amazing to me how little people know in America about the Asian Tour and all the other tours across the world. I mean. I've learned a lot about the PJ Tour or the Japanese Tour and the Korean Tour and the Asian Tour and there's the Mena Tour now that we've found and I just think there's and Sunshine Tour and Challenge Tour like there's so many places to play in the world and you, I've become friends with a lot of these guys in the Asian Tour and I mean they hold cards on three or four different tours so um, there's a lot of guys out there that play 40 events a year across the world so um I just think Americans get so stuck into this, like, you have to go to Corn Ferry Q School, and then you have to go, if you don't get through that, then you have to go to PJ Tour Canada, and then if you don't get through that, then you have to go to Latin America to have to get to the Corn Ferry Tour, because that's the only route to the PGA Tour. So um, I think it's really interesting that, 
if you don't make it through Q school, there are a lot of other opportunities to make a great living playing golf. I mean, there's a lot of people making over a million dollars a year playing golf and um, you're definitely not doing that playing uh, Monday qualifiers and mini tour events in America. So I think people just really need to open up to the idea that there's a big world out there. And if you, if you're willing to travel and um, willing to do some hard things, then you can, you can make it a lot of different places. Well, Alan, this, this young man's a good spokesman for his tour, isn't he? Yeah, that was, that was, beautiful. <laughs> that was very, very, uh, very <laughs> impressive. And I'm wondering, have you, were you able to spend any time with Greg Norman? And if so, what are, what are your impressions of him? Yeah, he was really nice to me. Um, we did some emailing before the first event, um, talked a lot. And then the first event, he came up to me and he was like, hey, man, I know you, you've been struggling. I've seen you in the PT room every day. He was like, just go out there and give it your best. And I thought that was super nice that he came, took the time. It was at the welcome party. He took the time to come over and speak to me and, and give me that that little pep talk because um, I was worried and, you know, I, I I was kind of embarrassed because of how I was playing and um, for him to, to come up and embrace me like that was super great. And then he sent me a, a nice note, uh, congratulations after I won in Asia. So that was really nice of him. And I, I really appreciated that. I mean, it takes a certain amount of bravery to admit that you're embarrassed by your scores, yes. right? I mean, that a lot, a lot of pro athletes, a lot of pro golfers won't go there, but I mean, that that's a real emotion. And, yep. um, I, I guess I'm, you, you know, if we can project, 15 years from now, and you've had a very long, prosperous career, Andy, wherever you just wind up playing, what do you think this little stretch will have, have meant to you and your development, everything you've gone through and, and now not winning? I, mean, I just think I'll look back to this moment as like getting through a, a rough period, right? Because I, ha- I, did, I had a lot go wrong. I mean, you look at turning pro and COVID and, you know, turning pro at the wrong time and then having hip surgery and then kind of all the residual effects that I had from that surgery and um, getting to final stage. And I had a pulled muscle in my elbow that week, which was like a super fluke thing. And I mean, all these things just kept happening. And it felt like I had the, the wind in my face for such a long time that I was able to get through that and finally uh, get to the top of the mountain, so to speak, and go down the other side, which is what I'm, what I'm hoping to do now. So um, you never know. Golf, I mean, anything can happen in golf. I could, I could go back to the other side of the mountain tomorrow, but um, it feels like I finally kind of made it over the crest. That's awesome. I love it. Well, that seems like the right place to end this yep. conversation, but I, I was joking, but I wasn't joking. I mean, I think we'll, we'll try and do this again at, at the right moment because um, you know, you've, you, I think golf fans are learning a lot through your story and yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really cool. People are, able to be exposed to the Asian tour and um, all the things that people are doing over there. Cause it is, it's such a different lifestyle and I want to be, I want to be active on social media and kind of show people all the, all the things that are possible if you're willing to travel and, and try new things. So um, I've, I've tried to eat a lot of different food. I've tried to take in the local cultures. I've tried to see all the local attractions that tourists do. And um, I don't know, I think it's super cool to be 24 and travel in the world and playing golf and doing what i love so i'm like i'm in a good place and we'll see what and do you happen to know what happened to your world golf ranking as as it relates to uh winning in egypt yeah so that's a that's a interesting topic it's something i want to talk about actually because okay great there i retract my attempt to end the podcast continue please i need to say this (laughs) um i was looking at the world rankings and I got four and a half points for winning, which is great. But 
I looked at Scott Vincent's world ranking, and Scott Vincent's top 100 in the world right now. And when he won at Slaley Hall, the first event of the year, before people really knew that the International Series was part of Live, and before um, it was going to be the qualifying tour for Live, Scott Vincent got 16 points for winning that tournament. And then all of a sudden, they redid the the structure of the Asian Tour um, official world golf ranking points, and I got four and a half for winning now. So. Um, it's almost a fourth of, of what it was before, but it, I mean, it's still great. It gives me, I went from 1700 in the world to 800. So, um, I think, uh, it's great, but there's, there's no way you can ever get to, you know, top 50, top whatever in the world. If you're, if you're only getting four and a half or winning a, a strong tournament. Pardon me, Andy, for not knowing this. What, what, what is the reference? Were Asian Tour wins quartered in terms of value in a? Yeah, I was not aware of that. Alan, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they basically the the world rankings periodically overhauls it how it does the math. This has been going on forever. There's always been squawking about this, that, or the other. But the new changes uh, definitely hurt uh, certain tours and certain events. And it seems, I it seems Asia took a big hit. Patrick Reed came out and said uh, that, oh, man, we're just going to come play these Asian Tour events to, to keep our world ranking up. And um, the next week, the, the rank were redone. So uh, maybe coincidence, but I don't think it is. I, I'm surprised that that's not a bigger story because you would think just on the basic logic of it as the field's – improve in quality you would think it would go the other way not be quartered you, but one would think <laughs> it almost sounds michael like you're right you're writing a legal brief that could be introduced as an opening statement in a court of law at some point um it, it, it could be i think it uh, <laughs> yeah yeah alan alan aside from you and bob harrig are there are there too many of our colleagues know about this it sounds yeah it's been a talking point michael and I think it feels somewhat inevitable that unless something changes quick, there is going to be a lawsuit uh, between Live and or the Asian Tour against the world ranking governing body. And it's probably going to get be filed in the UK, which seems to be a lot more friendly to those arguments. And so, yeah. um, you know, this this has been bubbling up. Um, and when, you know, the, as Andy very succinctly summarized, it's um, – it's counterintuitive. If a tour is getting stronger, it should be getting more points, not less. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part, part of the, part of the appeal, of course, of the masters over the years was there were, you know, long before Tiger Woods, there was always a Tiger Woods or a Greg Norman of some tour you didn't know much about. And come April, this guy would show up, you know, one of the Ozaki brothers or whomever it might, that might not be the best example, but somebody you didn't know. And uh, it's just weird to think that you could be the Tiger Woods of the Asian tour and not play your way into the Masters. I play with some guys that are super impressive. I'm like, man, there's, there's good players everywhere. It's not just, uh, not just in America, that's for sure. Well, this conversation shows me on how you have to really keep an open mind about everything that's going on in golf now. And you can't just go on the, information you already have you got to be open to learning new things i'm really glad to have this conversation i had no idea that last part or any of andy's story really it's terrific to know i've got i've got all my friends uh signing up for asian tour q school so 
I need I need some buddies over there. <laughs> yeah, well, and and by the way, the first time ever they're doing Asian Twerk U School in the U.S. I mean, it just yeah, shows it, you how all the walls are coming down. And um, yeah, I, I'm hearing there's rumors of there might be a couple international series events in America next year. So fingers crossed for that. I would love to love to fly three hours to an event. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. You're going to Indonesia like that. That's a, that's near the top of my bucket list. I've I've been to a yeah. lot of places, but people love Indonesia. I think I have a great time there. It's pretty funny. If you Google farthest place from me in the world right now, where I'm sitting is Indonesia. <laughs> what is what is so, your what is your airport. route by airport? How are you going to get there? I'm looking at it right now. Um, we're trying to figure it out. It's like, do you go east or do you go west? That's our, <laughs> our so I think we'll probably go to Seoul, Korea, and then go from there. It's like 15 direct to Seoul, and then like another seven or eight. Man, yeah, I'm flying to Melbourne next month, and that's I think 15 or 16 nonstop. Yeah. So it's- International series is starting in uh, Australia, so that'd be cool. I've never been to Australia. That'll that'll off all the continents for me playing golf. Yeah, you're gonna love it. Your uh, the courses down there are spectacular. Like I've been having this debate with people, especially around Melbourne. Like from the West Coast, it's almost the same trip to get to Melbourne as it is to get to to Dublin or to get to, you know, uh, Edinburgh. And I think, if, I think if you go to Australia, you might get the best golf experience of all of them. So it, yeah. you're going to love mean, it. I mean, I'm firm and fast and I've always liked that kind of golf. So be cool. That's killer. All right. Well, this is, uh, we set out to educate the golf fans. Turns out we've educated Michael Bamberger and myself along the way. So thank you for your well, insight. We're, we're, golf, we're golf fans. So we are at, at our core. We are. Yes. <laughs> Um, no, this this is good stuff. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Andy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you got it. Let's Thanks, um, do some, make some more noise, and we'll have you back on. We'll keep this conversation going. So yeah, keep this putter hot. <laughs> yeah, keep the putter hot. Keep the putter hot. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, yep. See you guys. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 